It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I welcome you once again to your Estate Planning Essentials podcast and radio program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KAAM Radio and co-host of this program, assiduously seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my friend, my attorney, and my co-host, and his name is Dallas Estate Planning Essentials attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. You've been an attorney now Uh-oh. how long? Yeah, I'm not going to ask your age because you don't I like tell to tell people, me that. I'm a, I tell people I'm an elder, elder law right. attorney at this point. Nevertheless, so. let, us, let us image build a little bit here because the audience knows needs to know your credibility and your, your background. So a little biography here. Uh-oh. How long have you been practicing law now? If I told you... I, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> okay. I'd rather not be but killed. Just, we'll decades? Just say, we'll just say decades, decades. is, is, is okay. the way of saying okay. it. Okay. So our at Dallas Estate Planning Essentials attorney, Michael Cohn, has been doing this for many decades. Can I say many? You could say, yes. You could say at least several. At least several. Okay. <laughs> so having said all that, uh, we want to take advantage of that expertise today like we have for 10 years now on this radio station. Michael's going to talk to you about the eight exceptions that apply to Medicaid recovery. I find this very fascinating. So, Michael, fire away. Yeah, so, okay, so especially when it comes to your home, as we're really talking about, because there are a few other exceptions on uh, if if you, besides the home. Home is like Tara and gone with the wind. Mm. Home is uh, often the most valuable asset that most people have. And... Uh, it, it it's very important. It has maybe more meaning than a home for for many, especially if it's like a family farm that's been in the uh, for generations. Um, so to many, it's Terra. As you remember in Gone with the Wind, it was more more than just a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if if you in Texas, a, a lot of times most people do not have long term care insurance or adequate income or assets to pay for care costs. If you are over age 55 and you have uh, get a some of these different Medicaid programs, there's 109 Medicaid programs in Texas, each with their own rules, but uh, the most common on long-term care Medicaid. This is, let's say, care at home. Yes, there's a program where the state pays somebody to come to, come to the home. And take care of medications, too. Mm. Or care at a nursing home. As we age, people live longer. They're more likely to be disabled. Things happen, typically in their 80s. Things happen. It's just, just, it just the way it is. Um, and the older we get, the more likely, and of course, more people, the older we get, the more people are having dementia or Alzheimer's. 
The Alzheimer's Walk is going to be on November 4th, I might add. Thank you again, Don Crawford and uh, the Percy Fund and Kate and you individually for all that y'all have done uh, for the Alzheimer's Association. Mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. They've been very generous. I mentioned uh, the Alzheimer's Walk is on November 4th. I hope many of y'all will join us there. Uh, We're making a lot of progress. Uh, in fighting the the disease. Mm -hmm. Thanks to all those who are helping, and I hope you all will too. Well, anyway, getting back to the story. Uh, In this case, if you have a chronic illness or disability and you're uh, needing long-term care, whether it be a nursing home or at home, there are certain things that do not count for Medicaid. Uh, If you're married, your home of any amount. If you had a $2 million home, not that many people on Medicaid have a $2 million home, but technically if you're married, it doesn't count as an asset. Great. If you're single, the equity limit, in other words, the difference between what the fair market value is any mortgage, is $688,000 in year 2023. It doesn't count as an asset. But, but, after death, if you are single, the state has a right to make a claim against the home for reimbursement to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Now, I should tell you that there's a difference. Why did I say a claim versus a lien? And every state does things differently. In Texas, it's a Class Seven claim, hmm. claim, which is really pretty. It's like a credit card. And that's not very, you know, title companies, if you were saying a credit card debt, they wouldn't really care so much about it. But when it comes to the government, they're concerned. So a lot of people are concerned, they'll take my home. And some people even have the mistaken thoughts that they have to sell their home. That would be the worst mistake because if you sell your home, it becomes cash, and the cash counts as an asset, and Medicaid is means-tested. In other words, they look at your assets. And if you have cash and you can pay for cost of care, and if you're single, you can only have $2,000 of cash or accountable resources. A home doesn't count. Other things that do not count, just real briefly, a car, a pre-need funeral. Uh, some IRAs, if they're having uh, required minimum distributions, personal property assets. So there are some things, term life insurance. There are certain things that do not count as a resource, but usually the biggest asset that doesn't count is your home. So most people are concerned because they want to pass on their home. So the question becomes, how do I save my home? Is there, are, are there any exceptions to the rules? Do I need to do any kind of planning uh, to avoid a successful claim by the state? All right, so the first thing is I told you if there is a surviving spouse, surviving spouse, then that's an exception to Medicaid estate recovery in Texas. Now, it should be, it's interesting to note, I told you it was a claim and not a lien state. So in some states, they have an actual lien. What's a lien? Let's say you had a mortgage on your home. That's a lien. If you had a judgment against your, you or your, your against you, uh, that would be a lien. Uh, in, in some states, after the surviving spouse dies, if it's a lien, they could the state could get reimbursed to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. In Texas, 
it's only a claim state, and, and at that, like I told you, it's a Class 7 claim, so it's not very high. So if there is a surviving spouse, the state doesn't go after uh, the surviving spouse after her death uh, to go against the home, unless that person was also on Medicaid, and then they could. Then, then they could. So um, if you have a surviving spouse, but a lot of times you want to uh, protect that surviving spouse, and then it gets in some issues. Um, I had a client this week uh, where it's very, it was very interesting because uh, they go after things that go by will at death, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and they uh, were fighting the aunt had a will that says it goes to these three individuals. Well, under Texas law, you have to probate the will within four years. Well, they didn't do any other planning like a Lady Bird deed or a transfer on death deed that we'll talk about in a few minutes. They, so they, the state has a right to make a claim against the home. If you probate the will, the state's a, 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 in effect like a creditor, and they can make a claim to get reimbursed. Well, well they because they wanted to see if, you know, let time fly to see if the state would do anything. In fact, it had flown by to the extent of five or six years before they got said, hey, state, you made a mistake on your, you didn't timely notify. And that was five or six years later, and they never probated the will. Hmm. Well, now it's more difficult to probate. Now you have to go by, to get, uh, when you probate a will after four years, so usually you have to probate a will within four years. Uh, otherwise, you can only probate what's called as a minimum of title, which means that there are usually whatever the will says the way it goes and there are no debts owed by the estate. Uh, well, if they didn't probate within four years, so usually a judge was going to require that the heirs sign off on it. Well, in this case, the heirs say, give me my money. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Okay, well, that gets into a different story. If you have a surviving spouse, it's no issue, but you got to be careful uh, when you, if you probate, there could be Medicaid estate recovery because the state has a right to make a claim if it goes by probate. Okay. The second one, but if you have a surviving spouse, it's an exception. How do you, how do you prove uh, that there is a surviving spouse? It's that certificate. A lot of times the state doesn't even go after it. So usually after you, um, the Medicaid recipient dies, the state sends out this five-page questionnaire. It says, okay, is there any, basically, are there any exceptions? A surviving spouse is an exception. So you show the death certificate. It shows a surviving spouse. It's pretty simple. Very simple. Yeah. Good to hear. Is a claim then almost like an indictment and a, a lien is more of a conviction? Is that, <laughs> is that a way to look at it? Yeah, I mean, you just it, it's a claim is merely that they have a right to make a an uh, there are certain, I mean, there's the claim here in Texas, there's all these different classes. So if you're a secured creditor, if you had, uh, you're much higher on the list, your number, you're high up the list. And so are paying funeral expenses. Mm. That's high up the list. Of course, the best one is paying the attorney's fees. That's higher up the list. <laughs> yes, the but highest. even <laughs> criminals, criminals who are felons uh, might have a higher up the list for reimbursement than a class seven claim. Mm. That may be class six. Mm -hmm. So it's not a very high level. But when you say government, it's a scary word. If I say IRS, 
and you may owe taxes. That's a scary word. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, or, or scary, so people are concerned. So title companies are very concerned, but a lot of title companies check before they allow somebody to sell their property. They may do a check with the state just to make sure there was no claims because they don't want to insure good title. They don't want to give the, have the risk of, in, of insurance. So it's not just exactly what the law is. It's what are you willing to insure. Right. Good point. So they want, they want a waiver a lot of times or a release of the claim hmm. by the state really? before they allow, or at least most title companies, before they allow. I say most because there are a couple of exceptions. Mm-hmm. There's competition, uh, is, you know, where our <laughs> country is found on. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, uh, so there are some title companies uh, that we might use that we feel like if there's an exception that they, because they know what the actual law is, it's mm-hmm. a Class Seven claim, that they're not going to be as tough on selling a home as most title companies. Understood. Okay. All right, a child under 21. If you have a child, let's say you had somebody that was uh, an older parent and they were disabled. Uh, I don't think I've ever had this, but I guess it's kind of like the story, the old joke about the 67-year-old man that comes into my office. I'm on estate planning, and I said, when did you say your father died? He said, did I say my father died? My father's 87 years old and in perfectly good health. I said, excuse me. I said, uh, when did you say your grandfather died? He said, did I say my grandfather died? Oh, no. My grandfather's 107 years old, perfectly good health. In fact, he just got married. I said, why in the world would a 107-year-old man want to get married? He said, did I say he wanted to get married? <laughs> so maybe if you are, there are some exceptions for some older dads. Yes. But for the most part, I haven't seen it where we've had somebody on Medicaid and they have a child that's under 21, which is one of the exceptions. Okay. All right. Now, it could be a child of any age if that child is blind or disabled. Okay. Now, we do see that from time to time. And so, in fact, we have one right now uh, where the child is on disability. So what do you have to do to prove disability? Usually it's a letter from Social Security. Some people are either on supplemental security income, which is means-tested also, another program where you get Medicaid, but it doesn't have Medicaid estate recovery, I might add. Uh, uh, Or uh, if somebody was on Social Security disability, they work for a certain period of time, before they were 65, they become disabled. They actually could get Medicare. Somebody asked me, you mean somebody for 35 years of age could get Medicare? I said, yes. Hmm. If you're on, if you had worked for a period of time, got on Social Security disability, you get Medicare a couple of years later. Interesting. Uh, anyway, so if that person was disabled, mm-hmm. so let's say the 35-year-old was the uh, a disabled child, uh, then uh, and their parent was on Medicaid, and there was a home. Okay. That's an exception to the rules. You don't. You just have to show proof of the disability, and the state would uh, make a uh, you know waiver of the right to make a claim. So we just sent off one law like that this week. And then the question then becomes, what about the title company? So we check with the, a particular title company and said, and this is the from what I understand, it's the first time that a title company has done this that I know of in the state. We said, look. 
if you're less concerned about other exceptions, why not about this exception? Uh, and they said, yeah, it's a class seven claim. So we're willing to insure because we know if we have that proof of disability, it's no more than like a credit card debt. We will, we're willing to insure on that. Hmm. So you show the proof of disability, uh, and now, sometimes that might be a bad thing uh, if a disabled child inherits a home. Uh, let's say they are on Medicaid, on SSI. How are they going to have enough money to have the upkeep? They're usually on SSI. You have very limited income. Uh, so how are you going to pay the taxes, insurance, and maintenance? Anyway, but it's an exempt resource if it's your homestead. And by the way, if there's a switching gears on small, forget Medicaid altogether for a second. If there's somebody living in the home and that was the only asset you had uh, under Texas law, if it's that person's homestead, then they could do what's called a small estates affidavit and it could be transferred uh, that way to give some more uh, uh, opportunity for it to not have a little bit more proof there would be a court order than, let's say, what's called an affidavit of airship. But anyway, I'm switching gears. I apologize. Why uh, blind or disabled? Why why blind? Why not deaf, too? I don't know the reason why they said only blind. blind. Okay. Uh, hmm. I did actually have one person. Uh, it's also an exception to gifting under the Medicaid rules. Hmm. So I had somebody who was blind. And they uh, allowed us to make a gift of mom's money to the blind son, which is an exception to the five-year look-back period for Medicaid. For Medicaid, if you make a transfer, they think you reduce your assets on purpose. So why that gets to beg this question, if it's an exempt resource, why uh, can I, if it doesn't count, why can't I just transfer it? Well, there's Medicaid state recovery. So you've kind of defrauded the government if you gave away your home, if they had a right to make a claim against it. So that's why it's not an exception to the five-year look-back period for Medicaid. Mm. By the way, for VA, veterans benefits, there's non-service connected disability. They do not have a recovery program. So it is permitted to make a transfer of the home under the VA rules without a penalty, whereas for Medicaid, uh, it is subject to the five-year look-back. So children who are blind are disabled, but look at, you know, uh, are an exception to the rules. Uh, and unmarried, now this one we get um, questions about from time to time because people read or, or something and they say, oh, I've been taking care of my parent. Uh, so the government says, look, if we didn't have to pay for care, uh, if there's an if you have uh, an unmarried, if you have an unmarried child who's living in the home and has taken care of you for at least two years, or actually, if you had taken care of you for at least one year, then after death, that is, um, well, actually, I'm, I'm getting too switched up. There's, if you have an unmarried adult child living in the home for one year at least. Uh, after the Medicaid recipient's death, then they don't want to take away the home. This actually is kind of going back to the Texas Constitution. Uh, but you have to show proof that the person lived at the home, usually like utility statements. Uh, we have had to use this thing, exception, from time to time. Um, so uh, in the Texas Constitution, 
Uh, we didn't want to take away Terra. Usually we had the family farm. And so also under bankruptcy laws, if you have an unmarried adult child uh, living in the home, the creditor can't take the home. So this is based on, and I remember when this legislation, actually I was involved in the time, uh, we were meeting with the legislatures uh, because we wanted to have one more exception to the rules. And so we were meeting, uh, our, our organization of elder law attorneys was meeting with various legislators to say, let's just say that it's part of the law before you could take the home, follow the Texas Constitution. Well, we knew, unlike other states, because we were felt very strongly about Tara, that we didn't want to somebody to take away the home, that if there's an unmarried adult child living in the home for at least one year prior to the death of the Medicaid recipient, that that would be an exception to Medicaid estate recovery. They will ask for tax returns and other proof, but like the utility statements before that's done. Let me stop you there. Let me talk about your next workshop because this is fascinating information, very salient for people who have questions about Medicaid in general and the recovery thereof. The government does a clawback for five years. Mike has taught over the years. And you should prepare for that probability, but there are exceptions, thank God, and Michael knows all of them. He knows um, a lot. And you should see for yourself at his next workshop, which is Saturday, September 23rd at 10 o'clock. Michael, um, tell them where the workshop is first, and then tell them what goes on at those great workshops. And they're free, which is excellent. It's going to be September 23rd, and it's our office conference center uh, over by Medical City Hospital. Medical City Hospital is about, oh, about, oh, maybe a mile south of LBJ near uh, Forest, on the Forest Lane exit okay. um, near Central Expressway. Great. Uh, 75. Cookies, coffee, donuts on yeah, top of yeah. a free education. And free KWM coffee mugs. You could ask for anything more. That's his favorite thing. I think that's a real reason why people No, go. it's not. It's the education for sure. But you get to ask questions, don't you? Yeah, you ask whatever you want to know. It could be a lot of times. We never know. Sometimes it's about estate planning. Sometimes it's about Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about VA. We never know. Every workshop we've done for over 10 years is different because I have no idea what people will be asking. And that's why we call it a workshop and not a seminar because – we want it to be interactive. We want you to make sure your okay. questions are answered. You learn from the others what their questions are that you might not have even thought about. Almost guaranteed you're going to learn something. Yep. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to have some fun along the way, and the, you'll see that the two hours just flies by because it, it just when you start talking about these different things, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, they're current, they're real life, and they apply to your situation directly or indirectly. Yeah, and and so, you know, a lot of people don't have long-term care insurance in this case, and so uh, they want to plan to protect that big asset, that homestead, in our case today, that we're talking about. So this is really not an unusual right. question that people ask. How do we protect our home? Uh, so, But it could be any number of things. Could, some people have more questions about, should I do a will or a trust? Right. Some people talk about various types of trust. Some people talk about tax planning. Some people want to know about powers of attorney. You know, the general things. And so they'll have, there will be a presentation, but we also, for the majority of the time, uh, we'll be talking about what you want to know. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? And to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214 214- Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. Or sign up online at dallaselderlawyer.com. That's Dallas 
elderlawyer.com. Again, the next one is September 23rd. Uh, I hope I'll see many of y'all there. And then if they go to the workshop, then what? Oh, we get a free, also, thank you for reminding me, mm-hmm. you get a free one-hour vision meeting only if you attend the workshop. Alone with yeah, you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's alone with me. It's with me, the attorney. Which is great. Uh, so you get three free hours of free legal education. Um, you know, that's a, that would be equivalent of a lot of several hours and a lot, hundreds and hundreds of dollars, uh, actually over a thousand at our rate. And there's no obligation. If you don't, if Michael says there's nothing to be changed here, he'll tell you. Um, but 90% of the time, th- I think Michael's told me, and that is conservative, uh, there are some changes that need to be made. Well, we tell people whatever, we give them options. Mm-hmm. We say, here's what, what, you know, we say, we look at it and mm-hmm. say, well, if it's fine, it's fine. If there needs to be some different changes. So, I mean, I had somebody who had their own will last week that mm-hmm. came, and I said, Well, your will says that everything goes to your descendants. Do you have grandchildren? Yes. Okay. Well, I said, Why don't we clarify it goes to your children, and then if your children, you know, something simple like that. Right. Uh, it could be that there was a problem with the will. I have a will right now that the person had a joint will. It didn't say the executors were independent. It didn't say without bond. It didn't. It was a joint will, which is contractual. They had children from a different marriage. Uh, there was all sorts. Of, it, it, it didn't have the language that's required under state law to. You have to bring the witnesses now to court mm-hmm. because they didn't have the certain other language. So we looked at it and said, okay, here's what your problems are, uh, and if you want to solve that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we just look at it and say, okay, you don't have to. It's a valid will. It's going to cost you more for probate. Do you want to go for it? Okay, whatever you want to do. And he's doing There's that no for me. He, Michael does it for me. He's doing it now as we speak. His dutiful, diligent assistant, Donji, is helping me out significantly. Michael's telling me this needs to be updated. Are you aware of this? If you die tomorrow, I turn 60 this month. So I'm older now, too, and I have to make sure everything is in order in case something happens to me if I become disabled or I pass away, go to be with the Lord, I want to be prepared and I want to make certain my heirs receive what uh, I have been blessed with. And Michael's ensuring that, whether it's transfer upon death, ladybird deeds, executor, the order thereof, sisters, brothers, parents. There's a lot to consider here, more than I think any listener realizes. Yeah, it's just like anything. If you, you're not involved in it, you're not used to seeing all the different types of issues. And so at least you get a little bit more of a microscope. Okay. Well, Michael, we've only got one minute. I'm sorry I went off on that, but I couldn't help myself. But we've only got a minute left. Uh, other exceptions to Medicaid recovery you can whip out real well, fast? Well, one of the things you just mentioned, Lady Bird Deeds and Transfer on Death Deeds, those are the most, uh, mm-hmm. maybe the most important thing. If you do not have lo- adequate long-term care insurance to protect the home, a Lady Bird Deed and Transfer on Death Deed because it avoids Medicaid estate recovery because it's not going by will. It's not a transfer because you've retained control. So you should have that. I'll briefly mention that uh, sometimes people, for people who want to plan in advance and they want to be able to sell the home during their life, they do an asset protection trust. And then there are some awesome exceptions for undue hardship. Uh, If your income is low enough uh, and the house has a low enough value under $100,000, there are some exceptions for undue hardship. Sorry, can't go into it more today. If you want to know more, go to the workshop. All you have to do is call that 214-720-0102 number or or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. That workshop is Saturday, September the 23rd at 10 o'clock. Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you.
leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.